Hi, I'm Rosie, and I'm hanging out with Rob on Front Row Live. What's up, guys? Rob here, Front Row Live Entertainment. I'm hanging out here at the Troubadour with Rosie, and I'm so excited. You know, every time I've sat here for, like, those first kind of, like, headline tours, headline shows, that artist ends up blowing up, like... Louis Capaldi being one of them, Lainey being another, the 1975 being another, and now I'm here with you. And it's so exciting because it's been, I mean, this tour seems to have been incredible throughout. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience over this, like, first two weeks of this month. Absolutely. So we are currently on the Healing Tour, which is my first ever headline tour. And the entire intention behind this 11 date tour has just been to find ways of making people feel better and through music, which is my favorite way. And seeing that happen in real time and seeing everybody's face and just feeling like I'm bringing people together and knowing that hopefully I'm doing some good in the world. It really has been the best experience of my life and really healing to say the least. Now, the fact that you're coming into this like technically being the healer like prepping prepping for this tour must have been exhausting uh, let alone each show must be draining for you as well um you know how do you prep for for something like this and how has like every run been so far yeah i think first first and foremost i really believe that in order to hopefully help others you have to help yourself Absolutely. and so a lot of the prep on my end for tour is psychological and there's a lot of therapy involved a lot of meditating involved a lot of journaling manifesting just really taking time to myself because I really do believe it that I can't do my best to help others if I'm not doing my best to help myself and so I go into self-care mode pre-tour and then once I'm on tour I feel like I get helped and healed so much more than I could possibly heal anyone else by my incredible fans and by the people that show up, you know, like it's such a give and take relationship. And I feel so fortunate that I do have fans that help me so much and help me heal. So a lot of the prep is just staying within myself and, and really take, I become a hermit. Like I stay very much in, in Rosie because I know that once tour happens, it's just like a whirlwind of interaction. And I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I would never have thought that. Like Everyone always says that. They're like, I've never known. Like, trust me. <laughs> trust me. How many nights do I spend in bed not going out? 362 of the That's, 365. You know I'm there with you. Um, my best friends call me an introverted extrovert. That's because when this camera is rolling, I'm a completely different person. But when this camera is not rolling, same thing. It's like, I just want to be home. I want to be in bed. I don't really like to hang out. Yeah, and I'd like to think I can't have one without the other. Like, I wouldn't be an artist who gets to interact with all these incredible people if I couldn't also be Rosie the introvert who spends nights in and relaxes. You know, they go very much hand in hand. So being, the, being this way must be kind of scary when you're in the studio meeting new producers, meeting new songwriters. Like, what is that chemistry like, especially with After Hours? How did that kind of come about between the three of you? And, you know, was it a natural progression, a natural process for you in the beginning? Or did you do you feel like you had to kind of like get to know each other before you started to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, shout out Ian and Andrew after hours. For some context, <laughs> Ian and Andrew are a producer duo after hours mm. and they produce Potential and Someone You Once Had, which are just two of my absolute favorite songs on my upcoming EP. And they have a really special place in my heart because when I first met them, I was really going through it. Like I met them the day after going through a breakup. And from day one, they just, they never let me settle. You know, like they never let me like give up on an idea. We were so in sync. You know, they were the ones who brought up this idea of coming at this breakup from the perspective of 
knowing my worth and seeing my worth and saying like, you were, you know, I'm just going to be someone you once had and I know who I am and you lost this. And, and that really shaped a big part of the EP because now I knew it was about finding myself and finding my self love again and healing my relationship with love and relationships, loss, et cetera. So they are a huge part of that. And it doesn't, you know, I think it, it usually goes pretty well when I meet producers and I think what you give is what you get. So if you go into it, giving kindness and giving a hundred percent hard work and being present, you usually get it back. And I've, I've had that most of the time, but with them, it was just like, I came in really weak, feeling really weak. And I was really sad. And they just like picked me up and they just like made it happen. And I was like, wow, like those are real supporters and real collaborators. That's cool. And that, I mean, it's scary. Like I, I know a lot of artists will write stuff months, years after that situation or those situations kind of happen and you went right into it. Um, is that how you normally write your music or is, was this like a first time experience for you to like actually be living in the moment as you're writing the song or the I, songs? I actually think I, I mostly write in the moment. It's when I get the best materials when I'm writing it like exactly when it happens and it's so hard. <laughs> but I really do believe like the only way out is through yeah. and like songwriting is my through. You know, it's my way of like digging in and yeah. feeling it and then hopefully finding my way out you know have you tried to write with like like months or or a year late like later after a situation has happened do you see a difference in that you know I don't know if I see a difference but like you just said I, I think that for me I get the most when I write when this when the wound is still open you know for me but if I do write a year in advance or a year and a half whatever if I'm inspired I'm inspired you know no matter how much time has gone by yeah yeah what kind of impact does that have on the vocals? Uh, just because, you know, it's you just got off of the situation. You just started writing about it. You're about to record vocals or a demo for the very first yeah. time. And I'm sure it's so painful and it's so hard to keep them controlled. So do you normally end up like keeping that original take um, in these situations? I do. And this is an interesting lesson I learned. I actually learned it first with Never the One because and that was on my last EP because I recorded it during times in my bedroom with an audio technica which for context <laughs> for context is an extremely it's like a very considered a low quality cheap mic like the the you know the, the bottom of the bottom and when I went in to record the final vocals two or three months later Ryan Marone who produced it was like no no just trust me like just trust me like yeah. these first vocals have more emotion in them than you will ever yeah. get from like another take and then since then I've actually adapted that strategy so now with every track on my EP whether it's someone you once had I should just go to bed potential those are day ones I mean obviously I go back and I you know we'll do some edits or I'll, I'll do different takes but like day ones I'm all about the day ones yeah <laughs> talk to me about the writing process of potential uh incredible single um i just i just can't like i can't not listen to your stuff without feeling like i'm there with you and i feel like that's so challenging as a songwriter um you bring us into this kind of story this experience so the writing process for potential like what really kick-started for you like not necessarily like situation wise but like was it a lyric a metal a melody that you had in mind um and what was that initial process like you're not gonna believe this but it was my therapist my therapist i was in a therapy session and I was asking, her name's Patricia. I was like, Patricia, why, why can't I make these relationships work? Like, why am I always let down? And she said, you know, Rosie, I think your problem is that you don't fall for people. You fall for their potential. You fall for the idea of someone of who they could 
be. And I was like, I was literally like, Patricia, stop, stop. I'm writing this down. And that was when it came to me. And that was in like November of last year. Yeah, it was a really long time ago. So she was the first, she was the first inspiration for that. Shout out therapists all around the world. Um, yeah, and it really did come from that. It came from that feeling of, of realizing that I, I do this all the time. Yeah. I do this all the time. And that was a big part of my healing journey too is recognizing like when do I really genuinely love someone or care for someone platonically, romantically, mm-hmm. et cetera. And when do I just fall for who they maybe could be? Because yeah. that's on me. You know, that's me doing something yeah. wrong because I'm projecting some type of idea of someone who isn't even who they are, maybe never will be. So learning that was a big healing experience for sure. That's, I mean, it's crazy how like ideas, song titles, lyrics, melodies, whatever, like come out of nowhere, like where you, when you least expect it. And it's cool to be able to be open to like receive it. Uh, I know it's not something that all artists can say like they're open to receive things when they come like for you how did you kind of learn to understand these moments where things were coming at you music was coming at you lyrics were coming at you well it's interesting because what I I call it I call it the songwriting brain Mm. and it used to be that my songwriting brain would turn on and off so when I was going for a walk or doing something that was unrelated to music that part of my brain just kind of was shut off But as songwriting and being an artist took up more and more of my life, I realized that that brain kind of never shuts off anymore. And it's the biggest blessing because I have gotten so much inspiration from my dreams. Like even when I'm asleep, even when I'm asleep, I get crazy song concepts. When I'm watching Gilmore Girls, when I'm watching The Office, when I'm having a conversation with Mateo, my brother manager, about something so unrelated to music, like that brain never turns off. And to me, that's the trick in, in finding inspiration everywhere is that songwriting brain stays on there's no control over it you know it's like breathing it's like you can't help it I think like anything else if if you do it enough it becomes muscle memory that's awesome but it's also kind of scary when you like don't know when it's going to hit I remember a few years ago I I interviewed an artist Maud Latour I don't know if you're familiar with her she's incredible and she was we were talking about the writing process of a particular song and it was like a breakup song and she was all like literally we were he was like we were in the middle of the breakup uh-huh. and then i was like wait, hold oh, that thought wait yeah. i got to write this down and i was like that's insane sometimes i find myself i was i was t- talking i was having a conversation with someone recently and he was like rosie like are you paying attention i was like i'm so sorry i was just writing an entire song in my head about you <laughs> and he was like what okay <laughs> i was like i'm sorry like can you please say that again because like i just that's hilarious yeah so with this process like obviously you know after hours are now basically you guys are the same kind of brain when you guys get together um so how do you guys challenge each other every time you guys get into the studio together and like how do you feel that they allowed you to or pushed you to step out of your comfort zone especially vocally on this new uh new material well i think one of my biggest traits and just one of my biggest gifts and struggles is that i'm really really patient patient with melodies patient with lyrics I can be in three hours of silence just focusing on one line of a verse like I go hard I go really really hard and meeting Ian and Andrew was really one of the first times not the only time but one of the few where they were equally as patient with me and one of the many ways in which they helped me is that they will tell me you know, hey, let's try, let's go to another section. And like, or hey, hey, instead of like fixating on this for 
three hours, like let's fixate for an hour and then compromise and work on something else. And like they really, I am very stubborn when it comes to songwriting. Like I just, I don't settle. And it's really cool to find collaborators who also don't settle, but also know when to step away. When to say, hey, let's, let's get up. Let's grab, you know, like some pretzels. Let's whatever. Like they, they help me find a balance and balance is such a key word in my life. Just finding balance in general. And so I think they are my balance as creatives. In saying that, how were you able to create this EP, Five Songs for Healing, and just keep it to these five tracks instead of like going overboard with a full album or even like a double album? Like, I feel like once inspiration hits, you just, it's hard to control it, right? Yeah. So how were you able to kind of manage that to keep it to these five songs? And why were these five songs so important for this EP? It's an interesting way to ask because I don't feel like I had to keep it to five or exceed five or make it any more or less. It truly was just the amount of songs that felt like they were part of the healing era. If there were more, I would have added them. If there were less, I would have not added them. But these five specifically really feel like the beginning, middle and end of this era. And after who knows what's coming next. You know what I mean? I'm not sure what's coming next, but these five specifically really were written in a time where I was learning to heal. So it just felt like the right, the right vibe. There's just feeling, you know, there's just feeling. What challenged you the most on these five tracks? What challenged me the most? Wow. I'm thinking about this answer because I really want to give you an honest answer. What challenged me the most? Well, First of all, everything I was writing about was really real and really raw, and that's always challenging. There's nothing new about that to me. You know, like I always write about what's challenging, but growth is uncomfortable. And so much of writing these songs was uncomfortable because I was growing, you know, because I was learning that I fall for people's potential, because I was learning that I need to have more self-confidence, because I was learning that sometimes I should just go to bed instead of making silly mistakes and decisions. So it was like the whole entire process of this EP was me growing and growing is really difficult. So I think just the process of growing and healing while creating a project about growing and healing, it's, it's easier said than done, you know, and I really tried to dive into it. Like I dove. I don't so hard. I feel like it's also scary because like as you're growing with this, with your music, with, with you as a person, um, like the success with like TikTok, social media, for example, like it's a, it's, it's a different kind of audience, you know? And I feel like they kind of help you figure out your, the, the, the navigation that you want to do with your music. So what kind of impact would you say that, that this audience kind of had on your writing process, you know, right at the same time as you're evolving as a songwriter, as a performer? One lesson that I've learned from my audience is that listeners are smart. Audience members are extremely intelligent, especially mine, especially when it comes to like emotional intelligence off the charts. And one thing they taught me is that the only way to win And the only way to feel good about what I am putting out into the world, whether it's TikTok or Spotify or Instagram, whatever, the only way is to be real, to be honest about it. You know, I can do, I can fake it, but they'll know. I have really smart supporters and I have really smart audience. And so they really taught me like, hey, we're going to support you, but like we would support you being you, you know, Rosie being Rosie. Like that's, that's who we support. And they've, they've been so incredible as I've figured that out. Um, but that's a huge lesson I've learned from them. You know, always, always un- under, don't underestimate the intelligence of your audience. Yeah. yeah. 
now to close us off with this upcoming EP drops on Friday next week, which I'm super excited about. Um, with these five tracks, which one would you say was the biggest challenge as far as like the writing? Uh, just because you are being so personal and, and, and vulnerable. So would you say that one certain song or lyric in a song, um, you kind of like tried to figure out if it was worth releasing or if you wanted to just hold it to yourself? Well, Potential was written three times separately completely different songs so the first time was and I wish I had my phone with me I'd show you this but the first time was just me and my piano and I had this idea of you know falling for the idea of someone and then I went to LA came out here and I wrote it again and this one was a little bit more like upbeat a little more fun and I didn't feel like that was February 1st and I didn't feel like we totally nailed it and then February 2nd my birthday went into the studio wrote it a third time and that finally felt like the right version and then we went in again and made revisions so I would say potential took the most labor and also mentally it was definitely the most I wouldn't say challenging but it was the it was the biggest growing process because it's such a new sound for me and like it is still the rosy sound very typical but like just exploding you know to me it's like rosy exploding like (laughs) that's what this song feels like to me so I would say potential did that impact your vocals? Yes. It, it gave me so much vocal confidence. Like, I know. My dad's right there. That's so cute. <laughs> I haven't seen him in, like, a month. Um, I know you can hear it in my earlier stuff. In 20 Milligrams of Happiness, my last EP, you can just – I was so timid, and I was really going through it, and I and I, I didn't find my voice yet. And then in Five Songs for Healing, which literally comes out Friday, so by this point you'll be able to hear it, the confidence, like the amount of confidence. I think that's the biggest lesson I've, I've, I've taken away from this project is that like confidence changes everything, Absolutely. everything truly. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing like how this is going to help you like evolve even more than you already doing. So I'm excited to, to be here. I feel like I'm here early and I'm excited for that. And um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. You guys be sure to check out Rosie and uh, five ways or five songs for healing is out on Friday. And thanks for watching here on Front Row Live. Hey, it's Rob again. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow for more. And I invite you to head over to my YouTube channel, Front Row Live ENT, where I have thousands of video interviews with my favorite new and established artists. Once again, thank you for tuning in and have a great night.